Hello, and welcome to my new show, Rate My Retirement. My name is Dan Casey. Thanks, everybody, for joining me. Um, I was about to say right here that I'm going to be bringing on my guest in just a minute, but I don't have a guest. More on that in just a minute. So what we're going to do, though, is we're still going to review his entire retirement plan. Okay, so I'm going to give you my thoughts, and I'm hoping that the viewers, whoever's watching, uh, can ask questions, tell me I'm crazy, give me a much better way of doing things, whatever. Let's have a discussion. All right, so if you're watching this live, then feel free to ask questions via Facebook chat. They're going to be somewhere on here. I have no idea where the heck they're going to be, where you're seeing them. Um, but I'll be, I'll see them on the screen, and then I'll try to answer what I can. So just a couple show notes. Uh, if you like my page on Facebook, then you'll get notifications. You should. I don't really know or when I'll be doing my live show. Um, and if you're watching this on YouTube, that means it's been pre-recorded. So like and subscribe, and then you'll get notifications when I post my future shows. Um, I also have a live producer joining me, Ryan, who's waiting in the wings. So he'll be helping me out. Um, if you guys are asking questions and I miss one, maybe he'll stop and and uh, and ask it so I can uh, give you my two cents. Um, so real quick about me, I'm an independent financial advisor. I've been doing this for about 20 years now. Uh, I've been blessed. Uh, I've been doing it with my own independent firm. I've been blessed not to have to ever go to work for the big wire firms. Um, and they, they always tell me uh, or always tell people, uh, how to invest their clients' money. Didn't want any part of that. So I was asked to go out to Delaware uh, to do a TEDx talk out to High Point, uh, North Carolina at High Point University to do a talk about inflation. And now you kind folks are inviting me into your home or your phone, wherever the heck you are, to do uh, a talk here on case studies for retirement planning. So I had a guest all lined up. He's a no-show, but that's okay, right? So he gave me all his information, gave me the okay to go ahead and review his retirement plan and uh, give you my two cents. So we're gonna get started. Uh, Ryan, bring up slide one. Let's just kind of introduce Gary and Patrice. So Gary's age 59, he's an ICU nurse. Uh, Patrice, age 60, switchboard operator. Uh, you can see the pictures there, they're lovely daughters. Uh, household joint income right now of $235,000. Three adult uh, daughters, and they're in Abington, Massachusetts, both retiring in five years. That's the plan. So if you go to the next slide, uh, Ryan, these are your assets right now. So retirement accounts, combined 403Bs, 385,000. Roth inside that 403B is 30,000. Uh, pension rollout uh, option of 960,000. Uh, and in taxable accounts, uh, 40,000, that's kind of earmarked for taxes for conversions. And then cash value uh, in life insurance, they have $170,000. Now, next slide, issues and concerns. So of course we're going to talk about uh, the pension, or you know, should we roll it into his own IRA? Those are choices he has. How to best convert to Roths, and can he create income using options? And then the notes, the next slide. Not contributing to retirement accounts right now because he's trying to save up some cash to for those conversion money. Uh, he's got about a million bucks in term insurance, but that's going away by retirement. Um, let's go to the next slide, the income slide. This is kind of what he's looking like when he wants to retire in five years. So he wants $80,000 gross, which is about what I hear 90% of the time of what people want. Um, he's got rentals. Um, it really, it, right now it's an unknown income. He's kind of breaking even. So he's just building equity. I'm really not going to include that in my planning at, at all tonight anyways, uh, because it's kind of an unknown. So we're building equity. Um, if he starts to get, to, uh, you know, he's above water in his rental income compared to his cost, you know, it'll be some income. Um, but my guess is he's probably just building equity and that at some point sell it. I don't know anybody who wants to rent homes when they're 80 trying to enjoy retirement. So um, 
So that is uh, the rental. Oh, it's Social Security. He's going to get fifty-eight thousand uh, between the two of them uh, in pension. So these are his choices of sixty-six thousand dollars a year in the pension for the paid out. You know, for the rest of his life, doesn't matter how long he's going to live for, or roll out nine hundred and sixty thousand dollars into his own IRA. Now let's go over this big question right here because this is what I get a lot. Do I take the pension of $66,000? You know, it's guaranteed for my whole life. How awesome is that, right? Doesn't matter how long I live. I don't have to worry about managing money. Or do I take that $960,000 and roll it into my own IRA? It's a tax-free event. It's just now the, the onus is on you, right, as the IRA owner of how to invest it, how to create the income. So talking to Gary, I know his plan is all, was all ready to roll it out. Because here's the real, the big pros and cons of either. So you can see right here, uh, Ryan, bring up that slide again, uh, number five. So that's his income slide. So if you look at his income of all he wants is 80,000. If he takes social security of 58,000, adds on the pension of 66, he's getting more than what he wants. So that right there was a, is a good reason why I think um, to not take the pension as is the equal payments for the rest of your life, because he's, he's going to be taking out forced really, right? taking out more than he wants, really exposed to the IRS for the rest of his life. Um, so if taxes go up, his paycheck will go down. So here's the big thing about uh, pensions and, and, and the rollout. So again, the, the pension payments for the rest of your life, awesome. You get money guaranteed for the rest of your life. Like I said, you don't have to worry about investing it, right? That's the pros. The cons, you're tied to the IRS for the rest of your life. So when tax rates go up, again, your paycheck will go down, right? And who doesn't think tax rates are going up, right? So, so that's the the pros and the cons. Rolling it out, um, oh, oh, and up in a con to the pension payments is obviously um, a lot of times um, you can arrange it, of course, to take you know the full amount. In this case, sixty six thousand, and then if you die, your wife may not get anything. Of course, you can take usually a lower amount, and if you die, your wife will get a certain percentage, 75, 50%. But a lot of the times, majority, if both you and your spouse die, the kids get zip. So that's a big reason why people like to roll it out into their own IRA. Now, if both spouses die five years later, their kids get that entire nest egg, right? Makes sense. All right, so that's one of the, the pros of rolling it into their own IRAs because now it's under their control. So you can tax diversify. What do I mean by that? You can start to convert from an IRA to a Roth, pay taxes now at a known rate, and start to tax diversify, okay? So you're not so tied to the IRS, right? So it just puts it basically in your control. Um, the downside of rolling into your own IRA is, of course, your retirement accounts, whether it's an IRA, 401k, 403b, right, are exposed to required minimum distributions. As I record this right now, that's age 72. So at age 72, the IRS forces you to pull money out of all your retirement accounts, right? So uh, sometime back in the 80s, the IRS like said, wait a minute, these baby boomers, um, they're not withdrawing this money and we can't get our tax dollars, right? Super sad story, I know. So they started required minimum distribution, forcing you to pull it out. So it starts out about 4% when you're 72 and it starts to ratchet up. The goal is the IRS wants all that money out so they can get their tax dollars by the time you actuarially die, okay? They want those to be zero. So the whole idea is now it's in your control 
and you can tax diversify and you can get it out, get it into Roth. So you don't ever have to pull the money out if you don't want. But again, if you leave, whatever's left in the IRA is exposed to required minimum distributions. And right now at 72, of course, talks are right now to raise it to 75. Okay. Big one. Okay. So, uh, so the main thing I think I want to say about that is what a good strategy might be is, okay. So he wants 80,000. His social security is 58, right? So there's a gap there of 60 to $22,000. So what he could do is, is roll his pension into his IRA, nine, 960, what was it? 960,000. And then take whatever he needs and create his own pension. He could put whatever he needs and put it into an annuity to create a payout, but not of the 66 of just the gap. So the 22,000. So create his own pension. So I don't know how much that would take, you know, maybe three, 400,000, something like that. And then put that, so basically create your own pension, have an insurance company pay out for the rest of your life. It doesn't matter how long you live and you're golden, right? You've got your 80 grand, regardless of how long you live. And then whatever's left, he can take as much risk as he wants. Put it in the market, do whatever the heck he wants, right? So that, that would be kind of a strategy that I would tell people if they like the idea of a pension. Of course, Gary is a, he's a hands-on kind of guy, so he probably wouldn't want to do that. He's going to create all the income himself. I think he even said, yeah, he said options. And to tell you what, between you and I, don't know a thing about options. Well, I know a little thing, but not enough to do anything worthwhile in it except lose money. So um, just it's just very risky. And you know, obviously, if you're doing it yourself and you've got the time, rock and roll, right? Okay, so that's his income. All right, so here's the first step I usually do when people come into my office anyways, is I want to figure out what their retirement rate of return is. So in this particular case, I plug in all the numbers, right? So I got you know, Social Security coming in, I, I, I bump it up with inflation. I, 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 I know that I need 80 grand, but I know, you know, Social Security is coming in. And I, um, so it really goes through all the numbers and tells me what rate of return do these guys need in order to make sure that their money lasts their entire life. In fact, for him, what I did is I just ended with what he started with, which is about 1.4 million. So I just told the software, tell me what rate of return do these guys need in order to end with 1.4 million at age 95, knowing that you know Social Security is going to come in, and knowing that this is the income that they need, and inflation, and blah blah blah, and that's the rate of return that they need. So 2.3 was uh, percent was what they need if they just want to end with zero, right? No, they take all their money, they spend it all, they die at 95, and and nobody gets nothing. And then 3.8 is if their kids. Uh, if they wanted to leave what they started with, which was about 1.4 million. Okay. So somewhere between 2.3 and 3.8 is all they need to make sure that their money lasts for the rest of their life. I did inflation at 3%. I bumped it up to 4% in a couple, you know, 10, 20 years in case it really gets bad. And so really it covers everything, right? And so 2.3 to 3.8 is pretty achievable. Okay. So what I would tell someone at this point, now he still has five years before he retires. So what I tell people at this point is, okay, if you only need somewhere between 2.3 to 3.8, let's let's get a little bit more conservative. Maybe we shouldn't be full on in the stock market, right? Because usually people that are in their 401k still are, these guys are what, 403Bs, they're still full on in the market, right? Um, so maybe if you think we're at the peak and the market might crash, maybe it makes sense to get a little bit more conservative because I just told you, you only need 2.3 to 3.8, somewhere in between there to be set for life, okay? so. The last thing you want, and I've, I saw this so many times, it just, it's just it gut-wrenching. People are fully invested in the market right up to when they retire. And God help them if a market crash happens right before retirement, right? It can change everything. So don't let that be you, all right? So 
come see someone uh, like me or someone else who can tell you what rate of return do you need for your money to last the rest of your life? And then just invest accordingly. Okay. Pretty simple, right? But it seems like no one does that. All right. So the next thing I want to look at for these guys is social security. So I want to know there's, you know, there's some strategies out there. Take it early, take it late. Right. So I know Gary already told me that he didn't want to take his social security until age 70. As most people know, if you don't take your social security past your full retirement age, the government bumps it up 8% a year till age 70. Pretty good deal, right? I can't guarantee my clients 8% a year, but the government is. So, so do it. So you can see here, I plugged it into my software though. And this is what the software told me. They said the optimal time for Gary to take his social security is 69. So a year before he planned on taking it, big whoop. Because what it does is it, you know, assumes you're going to die at the normal, you know, 80, I think it's 87 for a guy, maybe 88 for a, a female. So they assume you're going to live that normal life. And this is what it told it. It said, but Patrice should hold off until 68 to take hers. Now, I know uh, Gary told me that uh, Patrice was going to take hers as soon as they retire, which is going to be about 64, 65. So again, I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference, but you can see the software said um, optimal. Um, and then early, and I just told the software, if they both take it right at 62, um, if they decided to retire earlier, maybe they just want more income to come in. Um, the difference over their lifetime is $61,813. Okay, so again, optimal between optimal and taking it early added $61,000 to their uh, bucket of money, I guess, right, for the rest of their life. Again, not earth shattering, but not too shabby. All right. All right. So, um, and you, as you probably know, let me just give you a couple of rule of thumbs, Ryan, you can go off the slide now. Uh, a couple of rule of thumbs with uh, social security is usually what I tell people is the higher wager should delay their social security benefits, benefits as long as possible. Because that's not only, again, this is for married, that's not only that person's check, but it's the spouse's check as well, right? Because when the, the higher wage earning spouse dies, the other spouse gets that check for the rest of their life. So it lasts both lives. So it makes sense to try to get one social security check as high as possible. Heck, maybe even two, because the taxation of social security is so different, right? The worst case scenario is 85% of social security is taxable. So you always get 15% tax-free, no matter how much you mess it up. So it makes sense sometimes to let those benefits increase as high as possible and withdraw from your IRAs, your 401ks, your 457s, your 403bs, whatever it is, because that's fully taxable. So maybe it makes sense to deplete some of that money first. Okay. Makes sense ish. Yeah. So sometimes what I'll tell people is let's just, you know, create income from your retirement accounts. Um, let your social security keep growing. But if the market crashes or something, we certainly do not want to be pulling money from a market uh, account that's going down, right? Basically what I say is make sure I'm on camera here. If this is your account value and it goes down with the market due to a market crash and you start pulling money out, you're killing dollars that would have made it back up when the market returns, right? So you can't get back to where you were if you're taking out dollars, right? So if that happens, what I tell people is let's go ahead and turn on social security now so we don't have to hit your IRA accounts so hard, okay? That's just kind of my rule of thumb. Okay, so next slide. Required minimum distributions. Everybody knows at age 72, but like I said, the IRS forces you to pull money out. Now, I just projected their retirement assets of that a pension rollout and that 403B. I grew it by 7%. And at age 72, the IRS is going to make them pull out $126,000. Can't even talk. That's a lot of money, folks. And he doesn't even need it, right? He doesn't need, he only wants $80,000 in retirement. What the heck is he going to do with $126,000 aside being taxed the crap out of, right? So an interesting thing about this is 
Um, go to the next slide, Ryan, slide nine. There's social security taxation. Perfect. So look at this. So, you know, he was going along his merry, merry way before he was forced to pull money out. So before the required minimum distribution age, so when he retired at 64, up to 72, 22% of his social security was taxable. Pretty sweet deal, right? Well, when he's forced to take out that money from his uh, 403B, now an IRA that he rolled out in the pension and everything, uh, his social security jumps to 85% taxable. Okay, so Ryan, go off that slide. Here's the, here's the point I want to make about this. And this is a huge point that most people don't get. This is called the Social Security Torpedo Tax. If you try to Google that, you'll fall down a rabbit hole. You'll never get the answers. Here's basically what it means. If you let your retirement accounts get so big that the required minimum distribution is going to force you up in a higher tax bracket, not only are you going to be taxed on the money that you're pulling out of these retirement accounts, but you're forcing formally tax-free Social Security benefits in making them taxable Social Security benefits. So two things are happening. You're being taxed on the money that you're being forced to pull out that you don't even need, and you're causing tax-free Social Security to become taxable. So the tax hike can be huge on money when this happens. Okay, so that's the Social Security torpedo tax. I see it all the time. So again, before he had to pull it out, only 22% of the Social Security benefits were taxable. Now it's 85% worst case scenario, right? So he's on board with doing conversions, okay? So I don't really have to you know, beat him up and say, I really think conversions are right for you, okay? So why does he want to do conversions? Well, if you go to a CPA, the CPA usually, I always hear CPA say, ah, don't bother, you're too old, you're never gonna make it up. It's the most silliest thing I've ever heard. Here, look at this list right here. Why conversions make sense for most people, in my opinion. Obviously, like all my clients right now that are doing conversions, we're paying taxes now at a known rate. That's the plan, right? We don't know what the heck they're going to be at required minimum distribution time or any time throughout your retirement. And if we think tax rates are low now, convert the money and pay taxes now at a known rate, okay? As opposed to an unknown rate. That's number one. Number two, Roths don't have required minimum distributions. I just showed you the, the misery of having to pull money out that you don't even need, right? And it bumps you up in the higher tax brackets to cause a social security to be taxable that normally was tax-free. That's huge. Number third, three, tax-free gift to children, okay? Now, most of my clients don't even like their children. They prefer their grandchildren, but whatever, no, that's a joke. So whatever, whoever plan, you plan on getting your money, if you die with IRA money, 403B, 450, whatever it is, your children or grandchildren can never convert it to Roths when you die. They can never. It's going to be a taxable account for the rest of their lives. Okay. So it's a great tax free gift. If you convert it to a Roth while you're alive and they get that, it's awesome, right? Awesome. And of course, number four, the SECURE Act. All right. So the SECURE Act passed in January 2020 basically became law. It just says if you guys, you and your spouse die with money uh, in those retirement accounts, your kids are just going to have to deplete it. In most cases, okay, uh, deplete it in ten years. Okay, the IRS says no more of these stretch IRAs. You can your kids and inheritance cannot stretch out your IRAs anymore. Your retirement accounts. They want their tax dollars, so they force your kids to pull it out. So a Roth, they still have to pull out. It's still a retirement account, still exposed to the Secure Act. But if it's tax free, who cares? You pay the taxes for them probably today at a, at a low rate compared to whatever the heck they're going to have to pay that. 
And if their children, your grandchildren are in college, getting college tuition based on your, your kids, their parents' income, if that made any sense at all, you're gonna, you're, you're, they're going to ruin that too, right? Because if they have to pull money out of those retirement accounts, their income goes up, they're going to have to pay more taxes, and it will, could likely cut the grandkids out of possible uh, tuition help when they're going to college. Okay, just a few things I wanted to throw in there of why it makes sense to do conversions. I know it's painful. You have to pay tax dollars. But look at the RMD figure. I just told this couple what they have. It's massive, right? So lower that. And you don't have to convert it all. Everybody's different, but I kind of show them when they come in the office exactly how much you have to convert. Don't have to convert the whole thing. Okay, so... All right, we're almost, we're almost, we're doing good. 20 minutes in, all right. So this is where I normally would have had a conversation with my guest. Um, all right, so let's go, let's go to, because he was, he had a lot of questions for me. He wants to do conversions, didn't know when he should do it. Should he do it while he's working now or wait until he retires? Okay, so here are my little tidbits of uh, stuff that I could, that I was going to tell him. So if he wants to do conversions before retirement, which he was on board with, and I'm going to say, I don't think I would do that. Look at this. With his current income now, if he converts $100,000 from an IRA to a Roth, he's going to pay $62,000 in taxes. Okay. That, again, that's with his wages. So that bump, bumps him up at kind of a blended percent, 19%. As I'm sure you guys know, just because your, your top dollar is in the 24% bracket doesn't mean you're paying 24% on all your money. Okay, it's blended. So you're only paying, you know, 10% on the first bracket, 12% on the next. Okay, so $100,000 is going to cause $62,000 in taxes with his wages. And again, one thing you got to remember, at 65, he's going to go on Medicare. Well, part B and part D, part B is doctor care visits, right? Part D are drugs. Those are both based on income. So if you're doing conversions, you got to remember it is based on income from two years pre previous. So at age 63, if he does a conversion like this, um, his income at 65 is what, I'm sorry, his Medicare tax part B and D is what is going to be used for his income when he did it at 63. I think I just messed that up. He probably had no clue what I just said. Basically conversions at 63, right? His income at 63 is going to determine his part B and part D premium at 65. Okay. And I just did some quick math to find out that Medicare part B is going to cost him nine grand a year for both. And then part D for the drugs is 1200 bucks above and beyond whatever he's going to pay for his part D. All right. So again, I'm not saying that that's a deal killer and that you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying, know the facts. Okay. And know that that's part of the cost of doing business of getting money into Roths. Okay. So that's uh, before he actually retires. When he retires, now it's a different ballgame. Now we've got some income that's more in his control. Ryan, go off that slide and just come to me full screen for a minute. Um, so before we get into conversions uh, in retirement, again, if he would have taken that pension as a monthly payment, income's out of your control, right? Yeah, he could have maybe held off on it, but sometimes you can't. I've seen people, people come into me from GM and GM will say, not only we not, we're stopping your pension payments if you take it now, but if you wait two, three years, we're going to start decreasing. <laughs> I can't make this stuff up, folks. So you know, there's that that scenario that could happen. So if you want to delay your, uh, your, your pension, or if you've already taken your pension, your income's out of your control. We have the same problems we have while you're working. Not the case for Gary and Patrice. So they're going to roll that over. So their only income is going to be social security. And we can, we can delay that, right? And that's, that was part of the plan anyway. So if we are showing no income, 
Okay, uh, Ryan slide 12. These are these are what conversions look like in retirement. So he can convert $200,000 and only pay $30,000 in taxes with a blended tax rate of 15%. Folks, I would do that all day long and twice on Sunday. And that's not going to increase his Medicare Part B or D. Okay, he could convert $100,000 and only pay $8,500 in taxes, a 9% blended rate. I would do that all day long. In 10, 20, 15, whatever years from now, you're going to look back and say, wow, I cannot believe I paid 15% on my money. Okay, so those are the kind of things that we need to look at, right? When to do conversions. Um, again, uh, Ryan, you can go off that slide. So again, really... You know, in that point, because he delayed income, uh, we still need to worry about income, right? But you can pull money out of that new Roth that you just converted money to. We could create dividends from that and create tax-free dividends. It, oh, and I know what you're thinking out there. People always come to me about the five-year rule for Roths. Now, I'm not going to go into it now because your, your, your eyes will start to glaze over. Call me, email me if you want clarification. But there's two five-year rules in the Roth IRA, and I guarantee you most people misunderstand both of them. So trust me in, in knowing that if he, he's over 59 and a half, he's got access to that new Roth money tax-free, okay? So I think that would be the way to go. My my, If it was my money, I would wait until he retires to do conversions. Now, so here's the thing. Again, of course, you're, you're, you're risking the Biden administration and possibly the next increasing taxes, of course, right? Of course, that's the risk you, you would take. To me, you know, it's not like it's going to double in the next five years. So I would probably want to do that. And of course, don't forget, January 1st, 2026, the Trump tax plan goes away, right? And tax rates will go up. So it's something to keep your eye on. Okay. Um, wow. I'm getting thirsty. All right. Let's go to this, that last slide or second to the last slide. Actions. Oh, is no, and no one's asking questions, right, Ryan? I don't think I see any questions at all. No, not seeing I, any questions come through here, Dan. Okay, that's fine. I'm just doing such a good job of explaining things that no one has any questions, right? Um, all right, so the actions that I would do. All right, so the first one, that remember that cash value I told you he had in his in his life insurance? Well, I asked him, and that death benefit cannot be used for long-term care needs. Okay, so what is long-term care? It's not Medicare uh, planning. They only Medicare only pays for 100 days-ish in the hospital. Okay, I'm talking about a longer-term stay. You got to pay for that out of your pocket. Okay, so most life policies now will let you use the death benefit while you're alive if you need it for long-term care. Not term insurance, but usually the others. His will not. It only would cover terminal life insurance. Okay, so I'm sorry, uh, terminal needs, right? So you want to just, you know, if, if you're in a nursing home or even if you're at home and, you know, you're, you can't do two of the six activities of daily living, right? If a doctor says you can't do two of the six and the activities of daily living or, you know, getting out of bed yourself, feeding yourself, dressing yourself, right? Things like that. If a doctor says you can't do two out of those six, you get access to that death benefit money. Well, currently in his policy, he cannot do that. So I would look at, if I were him, moving that cash value. He's got, what, what did I say? hundred and... $170,000 in the cash value. He could move that into a life policy and probably keep his same death benefit and have that death benefit to where he can use it for long-term care coverage tax-free. 
pretty awesome, right? So that's what I would recommend. Um, the next bullet point, bulk of Roth conversions. Yeah, I would do. I would probably wait till retirement to do that. Again, there's not a right or wrong answer there. I don't know what tax rates are going up. So can't really say, but that's my opinion. Yes, I would roll out the pension. And yes, um, well, that's not really a yes or no question. So as far as investing it, um, you know, again, as I said in the opening here, uh, one of the strategies would be to uh, kind of park some of that money that he's got, give it to an insurance company, let them take the risk and uh, let them pay out just the gap he needs, right? Just what he needs above social security, social security, right? So the 58,000, he wants 80, $22,000, right? Um, so he could do that. And then the rest, he could just grow to play with it. Do your options. I don't care what you do, do whatever, right? So, um, or sometimes what I'll tell people is if you don't like the annuity, let's just create a dividend portfolio. Currently my dividend portfolio is paying about 7%. So what you could do is, what you do is you, you do the math. So here's how you do the math. If you like a dividend portfolio, you say, let's say I want, um, let's see, let's say I want $21,000, okay? Above and beyond my social security. So you take 21,000, you divide it by the rate of return I just told you or 7%, and that gives you the amount of the portfolio that you need to create those dividends, right? So in this case, what's 7% into 21,000? I don't even know. You know what? Let's use a, an easier number. Let's say it's $28,000 uh, that you need. 7% into 28,000. Now that I can do on the fly. That's $400,000 a portfolio you need. So what you're doing is you're taking $400,000, you're buying the dividend or you're buying the dividend uh, ETFs and that will go up and down with the market, but it's kicking off your dividends. Okay. So you're not touching your principal. Can you see this? Yes. You're not touching your principal. You're just living off those dividends. So those dividends are going to be there plus your social security. That's his 80 grand. So if he only needs $400,000 to do that, he's got a million bucks left. He can just put it in the market and grow and not worry about it because it's not giving him income. Okay. Or the final thing is, is if you're really a risk taker, you can put the whole dang thing in the stock market. I don't know why. I told you he only needs what? 23 to 3.8%. So I don't know why you'd want to take the risk of all the stock market. Uh, but he could. And uh, knowing that there's, all he needs is 2.3 to 3.8. Um, you know, you might have to redo the numbers, though, if we get a project or uh, uh, protracted downturn of the market, like we saw in 2000, right? We saw three years of negative double digit returns. Okay. So you might have to redo the numbers if that's the case. You know, with the crash of 2000 and the crash of 2008, the stock market within those, in that period only returns like 5%, 6%. So why are you taking all that risk? For, okay, that's all another show. All right, so that is pretty much my scoop. Oh, see, half an hour, that's not bad. All right, so that's that's my two cents on Gary Patrice. Apparently, I've done such a good job of explaining things and no one has any questions um, that that's it. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, this is my first show. If you, I could take criticism pretty good. So if you want to comment and tell me, Dan, the show sucked, I would have rather seen this or that or that. Tell me, I don't know. I'll try to do it. Right. So this was my first show. Didn't have a guest as I had planned. I do have another show lined up with a guest. Really hope she shows. Um, but just if you want to uh, make sure that you see the live shows so you can ask questions, even though nobody did. Go to my Facebook page. Dan, actually, uh, it looks like we have a live show or a guest, I mean, not a guest, I'm sorry, a question <laughs> coming in. The question is, if your spouse waits until full Social Security age to retire and you start drawing at 62, if something happens to your spouse, what rate will you draw? 
Okay, I ask that question one more time. Sorry, the question again, if your spouse waits until full social security age to retire and you start okay. drawing at 62, if something happens to your spouse, what rate will you likely draw? Aha, so can't answer, can't answer the rate, but I think I know what you're asking there. So if you took your social security benefits early at 62, which, it made it, which, which I think you just said, and then you get your, the, and then your spouse passes, you, his benefits will be reduced. Your benefits that you're going to get will be reduced as well. Okay. So that's always the case. So if you take your benefits early, everything else following that will be reduced as well to spousal or whatever. Um, so, which is why I tell people at least try to wait till your full retirement age. Okay. That way you'll always get your spouse's full retirement age uh, benefits. Okay. And nothing will be reduced. Good question. All right. I'm assuming that was it, right, Ryan? Uh, yes, that was it. And that question was submitted from Angela Goggins. So thank you, Angela. All right. Awesome. So, all right. So just put up that uh, last slide, Ryan. So if you enjoyed it, if you liked it again, apparently you don't even have to show up if you want to be part of the show, but if you, if you want uh, a, your case study or your uh, retirement portfolio done in a case study like this, um, where I can kind of show it, we can, people can learn from it. Um, let me know again, it can be as anonymous as you want. Um, Preferably, I like it when people are on so we can have a real conversation. But uh, as you've seen today, not mandatory. So call us at the office, 248-785-3734. You can email my assistant, Kim, at kiml at bridgeriverllc.com. And yes, it can be as anonymous as you would like. All right, cool. So if you're watching it on Facebook, like my show. If you're watching it on YouTube, uh, like, subscribe, do whatever the heck you have to do. I don't know. Um, or if you're, if you're, if I have your email, uh, as you probably already know, you will get email blasts from me as well, reminding you about the show. So hope you enjoyed it. Have a good night. And I hope to hear from everybody soon. Goodbye.